Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland, so that we can help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. You can always join us in person each Sunday at 8.30 a.m. and 11 here on our beautiful campus in Rock Spring, Georgia. Would you take your Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 5? Now, Hebrews may be a hard book to find. It's about three quarters of the way through your New Testament. There are quite a few chapters in it, so you, you, you just keep looking. It's before the book of Revelation, just a few pages before that, which is the last book in your Bible, but Hebrews chapter 5. I'm starting a new sermon series today entitled Grow. And as a matter of fact, we're uh, beginning in just a few days, we're going to start talking to you about our 21 days of prayer as we kick off 2019 as a church body, spending 21 days in prayer. Our staff has written 21 devotions, and you know, we've done this, it'll be the third year in a row we've done this, and um, we're excited about the devotion, we'll have that to you. This year for the first time, we're going to have different options. You're going to be able to do it from your app, and you're also going to be able to get a text every day with that day's devotion in it. And so uh, we're printing fewer books this year, uh, thinking many of you will opt in one of those ways, either through the app or through a text. And so we'll be looking for that in the days ahead. But I'm starting a new sermon series today entitled, Grow, Becoming the Person God Meant for You to Be. You understand that God never intended for us to stay the same. God intended for us to grow. As a matter of fact, I love this statement. I'm going to say it, I, I think, every week because I love it, and that is, God has a greater vision of us than your vision of yourself. God's vision for us is greater than our vision for ourselves. And so God wants to do amazing things in your life. God wants to do incredible things through your life for the kingdom. But that's not going to happen automatically. That just doesn't happen because you're a Christian. There is a a discipleship process. There are steps that have to be taken. We call those in the Christian life disciplines. And so beginning today, today's not even really part of the sermon series. Today's kind of the prequel message to the sermon series. Because beginning next week, we're going to look at what we in the Christian life call spiritual disciplines. And those disciplines are what enable us to grow. And so today is kind of the prequel to my sermon. I'm going to preach this subject, grow up. Grow up. Hey, look right this way. What did 2018 look like for you? Was it a blur for you too? Did it go by that quickly? I mean, I'm, I turned 50 this year. I really never thought uh, we'd live past the year 2000. We had stockpiled all the food we needed when Y2K came around and we expected the world to end shortly after that. And here we are in 2018. So I don't, I don't know what, or 2019 rather, I don't know what your 2018 looked like. Uh, maybe you kept a diary, maybe you did not. But luckily we don't have to have a diary to know what 2018 looked like. We have this thing called the internet and, and this thing called Google. And so let's look back for just a few moments and talk about 2018. This is straight out of my uh, sermon notes. Um, and, and so I want to I want to show you some things. We can look back at Google, and they've already published what were their top searches of the year. So let me give you some top ten lists. The top ten searches in general. You can see them on the screen on the left. World Cup, Hurricane Florence, Mac Miller, Kate Spade, Anthony Bourdain, Black Panther, Mega Millions results, Stan Lee, Demi Lovato, and uh, Lovato and election results. I almost got it. Um, top ten how to searches. How to vote, how to register to vote, 
how to play Mega Millions, how to buy Ripple, how to turn off automatic updates, how to get the old Snapchat back, how to play Powerball, how to buy Bitcoin, how to screen record, and finally, how to get boogie down emotes. Now, for a good portion of you, I have no idea what that means, but I'm going to tell you in just a moment. Then on the far right are the top 10, what is searches? What is Bitcoin? What is racketeering? I love that one. Um, Assuming there were a lot of people who were worried about racketeering in 2018 and what is DACA? What is, what is a government shutdown? We now absolutely know what a government shutdown is. Man, Friday, number five, what is Good Friday? Hey, hey, and I'm amazed that that is on there. And so if you don't know, I, I, I wanna, like, I'm not making fun of you. I, I get it. If you don't know, Good Friday is the Friday before Easter. And on the Friday before Easter, it's when we celebrate the crucifixion before we celebrate the resurrection because it's by the blood of Jesus we are saved. And that's Good Friday, and that's, that's awesome. What is Prince Harry's last name? Harry, right? Prince Harry. I don't get it. That one's confusing. <laughs> I don't know why anybody Google that. Um, what is Fortnite? What is a duck boat? What is Yanny Laurel? What is a nationalist? Now, I'm going to go back and sum up. I, I can show you on here. I'm going to connect some dots. And you connect them with me. I tried to color code it the best I can. I missed it a few times in the color coding. But let me connect some dots for you. To, and this will summarize 2018. So on the left, Mega Million results, how to play Mega Millions, and then how to play Powerball. We were pretty much consumed with the lottery in 2018, right? So somebody won like a billion dollars last year. Was that, is that right? They haven't claimed it still, have they? They still haven't claimed a billion. So if it was you, tithe. <laughs> right? And somebody just won like 500 million or whatever. So that, that was a big news item in uh, 2018. And then we see number 10, election results, how to vote, how to register to vote. And then tied in with that is what is DACA? What is a government shutdown? Pretty much. I don't know if you know it or not, but Donald Trump is our president. You probably haven't heard that. Uh, and a lot of government talk in 2018. A lot of, I'm surprised what is a wall is not up here, but, but um, a lot of government talk in 2018. A uh, little, little too much. But um, then, then number four we see here in the middle, how to buy ripples. Anybody know what ripple is? Yeah, it's a Bitcoin. So we have some things that tie together. How to buy ripple, how to buy Bitcoin. And I love this. What is a Bitcoin. I just bought it. What did I just buy? Uh, now that I do it. And then, um, so mamas, now listen, I'm on, all your mamas, I love y'all. And my wife has cautioned me about what I'm doing today because I'm going to talk about Fortnite a couple times, all right? But I get it. I'll, 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 I'll caution your kids. Kids, you should not be playing Fortnite instead of going to school, eating, or sleeping, right? Like that, that's just, but... Um, those of us who are good at it, you know, we, uh, uh, we can play it more. Anyway, so um, boogie down emote is a dance in Fortnite. So Fortnite got two, two spaces on there. Matter of fact, if you went to a Braves game this year and you know how they pan the audience and they show people dancing, every dance you saw this year was a Fortnite dance on the screen because it pretty much dominated the news. But now if you want to sum up, 2018 in its entirety, number nine, what is Yanny and Laurel? Does anybody remember that debate this year? 
So let's settle it once and for all. Here we go. Laurel. 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 All right, we're going to put it to bed right now. It's forever done with. How many of you heard Yanny? Oh, my word. I cannot believe that. Denny, you heard Yanny? I, I like two people in the early service raise their hand. I'm blown away by that. How many of you heard Laurel? Ah, we got you, Yanny people. Yanny people are weird. Like I was in San Antonio in my, this year and my wife sent uh, our family this, this link and said, what do you hear? And I said, I hear Laurel like all God's children here, there. And she's like, some people hear something else. And so pretty much if, if I summed up your 2018, the truth is you may not have had a great 2018 if that's all you remember. When you look back at January 2018 and you made New Year's resolutions in 2018, can I ask you a question? Do your, do your January 2018 resolutions look a lot like your January 2019 resolutions? Did you make a lot of progress in your, in your life from, from January 2018 and you had that list of all these things that you wanted to do and now we've, we've rolled a corner, you spent 12 months working on all those things that you were gonna do to make you a better person and now we're in January 2019. Let me ask you a question. Do you look about the same? Is your life about where it was in 2018? Can, can I go preacher mode on you and ask you this question? What about your walk with God? Look back at your walk with God in your mind's eye back to January 2018. And now look at where you are today. January the 6th, 2019. January 2018. January 6th, 2019. Let me ask you a question. Are you about the same in your walk with God? Have, have you, is your walk with God better than it was? Or could it be that even your walk of God is, with God is worse than what it was is because really, when I compare my walk with God in January of 2019, 18, in January 2019, it ought not to be the same. It ought not to be worse because the Christian life is so designed that we are supposed to grow in our walk with God. And if you look back and, and your, your relationship with God in January 2018 is about what it is today, then you really need to pay attention to this sermon. Because the Christian life is not designed to retreat. It's not designed to stay the same. It's designed to grow. And in this sermon today and in this sermon series, I'm going to try to help us grow up, which is exactly what Paul told the Hebrews church in Hebrew chapter 5. So would you stand with me as we honor God's word by reading it? Hebrews chapter 5, we're going to read the whole chapter, it's just 14 short verses, but we're only going to spend our time in about four verses, but look in your Bible or you can look up here on the screen, it's in both places. For every high priest uh, uh, taken from among men is appointed for men in things pertaining to God. 
that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray since he himself is also subject to weakness. Because of this, he is required as, as for the people, so also for himself, to offer sacrifices for our sins. I know you, you get a little lost in all that, but here's what uh, the writer of Hebrews is telling us. He's telling us that, that um, a high priest in that day who offered a sacrifice for the sins of the people, the, he was one of them. So the first thing he had to do was to offer a sacrifice for his sins because if he went into what was called the holiest of holies where you made a sacrifice, if he had sin in his life, God struck him dead. As a matter of fact, they would tie a rope around the high priest's leg because if he dropped dead in the holiest of holies, nobody could go in and get him without him dying. So they put bells on the bottom of his garment so that they would jingle. And uh, if the jingling stopped, they knew he died. And they'd drag him back out by a rope. Next. I mean, you won't want me to be priest number two, would you? You won't be like, hey, y'all give me a minute. Dear God in heaven. So that's, he's, that's what he's talking about, verse, verse four. And no man takes this honor to himself, but he was called by God, just Aaron was. You don't volunteer. You have to be called by God to be a high priest. Verse five, so also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was he who said to him, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. As he also says in another place, you're a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear, though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. He's talking about Jesus right here. Called by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. There's that name is again. Of whom, verse 11, we have much to say and hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe, but solid food, or most translations translate that solid food, meat. But meat belongs to those who are full age, that is, those who by reason of their senses exercise to discern both good and evil. Thank you, you may be seated. Now, follow on with me. Let me, let me have your attention just for a second. Uh, no, let me have it for the next 30 minutes. Sorry, you know, me look right this way for a second. Now, the writer of Hebrews, and by the way, we don't know who the writer of Hebrews is, just so you know. I believe the writer of Hebrews is Paul, but that's just because of men I read after and what you can read about Paul's life. He was very concerned about the nation of Israel, the Jews, who this was written to. So I believe the writer of Hebrews uh, was actually Paul. But so you know, we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews. And so I'm going to try in the sermon to say the writer of Hebrews, but I know me. And most of the time I'm going to say, and Paul said, because in my mind, Paul said, but I'm going to try to say the writer of Hebrews because we don't really know who wrote it. Having said that, Paul is talking in this verse, let me go and get out of the way, and he's talking about the qualifications of a high priest and how Jesus was our high priest. And look, he's talking to a, a Hebrew audience. When I'm talking to you about a high priest, you don't, you're not really getting it as much as what they would have got it. They had just come out of that system. That system was still going on. There was still a high priest. There were still offerings. There was still the uh, tabernacle. All that stuff was still going on, the temple. And so like, it was very familiar to them. It'd be talking about, to us, it'd be like uh, politically talking about Democrats, Republicans, Tea Party. And we, we, like we would get it where, you know, a thousand years from now, that may not make sense, but they got it. 
And so Paul's talking to them about the religion that they came out of. And in the midst of that, he brings up an Old Testament character named Melchizedek. Melchizedek. I like the way that sounds, don't you? It's just a good, manly name, Melchizedek. Any of you expecting? That's a good name for a boy right there, right? Melchizedek. Nobody messed with him in middle school, right? Anyway, Melchizedek's a complicated character, to say the least. We, don't, we know very, very little about Melchizedek. We know the Bible calls him the king of Salem or the king of righteousness. And in the book of Genesis is where he's introduced to us. And uh, Abraham had just won a battle with the help of God. And Abraham is coming, uh, returning from the battle. And he runs in to Melchizedek, who uh, uh, it, we're told is the king of Salem. Uh, uh, Abraham stops and he gives a tithe of all that he has to Melchizedek, which indicates he's a high priest. And by the way, there are people that say, well, we shouldn't tithe. Tithe is under the law. Abraham tithes to the priest long before the, the law came along, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before the law. Tithing is an act of worship that has nothing to do with the law. And so Abraham tithed to Melchizedek, indicating he, that Melchizedek was a high priest. And people supposed that Melchizedek, follow me now, was a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ. We call that a Christophany. A Christophany is, is a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ. It means that Christ appeared. There are several places in the Old Testament where we think we see a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ. It's when Christ appeared in the Old Testament before he had his fleshly body, but he was robed in some kind of flesh, yet it was not the flesh that he was going to die in later on. And a lot of people think that Melchizedek was actually Christ. And one of the reasons we think that is Hebrews chapter 7 verse 3 says this about Melchizedek. Without father or mother, without genealogy, without beginning of days or end of life, resembling the son of God, he remains a priest forever. So they go on and they, they talk about Melchizedek and here's what he says. Uh, he didn't have a mom, he didn't have a dad, he didn't have any history. We don't know we don't think he was born and we don't think he died. And he looked a little bit like God. Well, that leads most people to believe Melchizedek was a, a Christophany, an Old Testament appearance of Christ. And so the writer of Hebrews comes along and look, there are commentaries today. You, you can go read about Melchizedek and I know, you know you're tired of me saying Melchizedek already, right? I'm moving on, just give me a second. Commentaries are full of speculation about Melchizedek, but here's, here's what the writer of Hebrews says. He comes along and he says to the Christians, he said, I'd like to have a conversation with you about Melchizedek, but there's one problem with that. You aren't spiritual enough for me to have the conversation because apparently the writer knew more than what we know today and the writer knew more than what he was saying in this passage. And he said, I can't even have a conversation with you because you haven't grown to the point we can have a deeper conversation about God, Scripture, and walking with Christ. The whole point of him talking about Melchizedek is not talking so we can know more information. He's talking about Melchizedek trying to explain the richness of the salvation that you and I enjoy because the more I understand what Jesus has done for me and what Jesus has done in me and what Jesus wants to do through me, the more I understand the Christian life. And he said, I want to have that conversation with you. But you haven't grown to the point I can have that deep of a conversation. And that leads us to today's sermon. 
Because the writer of Hebrew tells us this, that you aren't where you're supposed to be in the Christian life. Now, can we stop and forget about Hebrews for a minute? And can we focus on uh, me, myself, and I? Are you where you ought to be in the Christian life? I mean, when you look at your walk with God today, when you look at your life with Christ, can you say, I am where I ought to be? I have grown the way I ought to have grown. I have uh, progressed with Christ the way I ought to progress. You just have to ask yourself the question, are you where you ought to be? Because can I be honest? The majority of Christians that fill the church aren't there. We may have been saved a long time, but that doesn't mean we've grown up. And I want you in this sermon to take and evaluate, are you where you ought to be today in the Christian life? And there's, there's 10 things I could talk about in verses 11 through 14, but there's three things I want to point out that maybe sum up the majority of what Paul was trying to say. Let me tell you this. Number one, Paul was saying this. You don't grow because you're slow. You don't grow because you're slow. Now, let me explain that because look at what he says in verse number 11. Of whom we have much to say and hard to explain, since you become dull of hearing. Now, here's what Paul was trying to say. Paul was saying, I want to take a deep dive into the subject of your Christian life in Melchizedek, and I want to explain what God has done for you. But this is going to be difficult to explain. And to be honest with you, Paul says, I'm not going to be able to do it. I cannot have this conversation with you. And the reason I can't is you have become dull of hearing. Now, in case you're wondering, in case you're new to church, this may be the first time you ever walked into church in the English or in the Greek or in the Latin. That is not a compliment. If somebody says you're dull, that is not a compliment. And Paul comes along, the writer of Hebrews, and says, you are dull of hearing. Now, if you'll afford me, let me dive into that Greek word just a little bit because it, it, it means more than what our English translation says. It is the Greek word nethros. And in the Greek, it means slow moving in your mind or even forgetful. It, it, it gets worse. He's, it means in the t when you add the tense of the verb into it or the word into it, it means you are slow to learn. It literally means you have become slow to learn. And so here's what nephros is meaning, that you have not always been this way, but somewhere in the Christian life, you slowed down. Now let me give you some more word imagery that this word was used for in secular Greek. The word in secular Greek meant you have lost momentum. It meant you were dead in the water. Now, they didn't have power boats back then, but we can even explain that better. Imagine you've got a giant lake and you've got a power boat and you drive it to the middle of the lake. And when you get into the middle of the lake, your engine falls off, sinks to the bottom of the lake. You are dead in the water. It means to become dormant, to become apathetic, and all momentum has ceased. Here's what Paul said about their, their Christian life. 
Paul said, there was a time when you first became believers that things were going well, but you just sat down in the Christian life and your Christian life just stopped. Your Christian life became dormant. You got apathetic about your Christian life. As a matter of fact, you lost all momentum in your Christian life. You were going strong. You were doing well. And then all of a sudden, one day, you decided you'd grown enough. You decided you'd learned enough and Christianity became a routine, not a relationship. And you went dormant, you became apathetic, you lost all your momentum. That's what he said to them, but can I say this? The same thing has happened to us though, hasn't it? I mean, how many of us would confidently raise our hand and say, preacher, I have never lost momentum in the Christian life. I have never, I have grown up all that I should. Now, I want to be honest. Uh, the problem with our walk with God is it's easy to go dormant. It's easy to lose momentum. And the room is full of people today that, that your life has lost all momentum. Your Christian life has become a little apathetic and you have stopped doing the things that you were doing that was growing your relationship with Christ and you've lost all of the energy and you become stagnant and you've lost momentum. And here's the truth. When you quit putting new energy into anything, the results always slow to a halt. It's January. You know what that means, don't you? Everybody's joining the gym in January. There's a couple of memes going around the internet. Uh, gym in December, gym in January. Pretty much true. Here's my favorite. What the gym looks like in January, people trying to get in. If you don't know, that's from a zombie movie. Uh, people getting over the wall. Um, that's what the gym looks like in January. It's not, it's not inaccurate. More people join a gym in January than any other month of the year. But did you know that 80% of gym goers who sign up in January don't make it past five months? 4% sign up in January and never go back after January. 14% never go back after February. Planet Money did a study of Planet Fitness, one of the largest gym chains in the United States. Here's what they discovered. That the average Planet Fitness will hold 300 members when it's slammed full. But the average Planet Fitness has 6,000 paying customers. They hold 300 and they have 6,000 paying customers. Here's what they discovered. 50% of the people who are paying membership fees at Planet Fitness have never walked in the gym. They joined, but that was as far as it got. In America, only 80% of the Americans who own a gym membership never go to the gym. It gets worse than that. 30% of the people who go to the gym admit they never work out or break a sweat. They spend all their time talking, chanting, and looking at social media while they're there. In fact, according to a recent survey that was done, 13% of Americans adult admit to telling someone that they were at the gym when they were literally someplace else. If their breath smells like a donut, they were not at the gym. Ain't nobody giving away donuts at the gym. So I want to ask you a question. If everybody's a member of a gym, why ain't y'all in better shape than what you are? Why don't you look like me, right? I mean, like, hey, that wasn't funny. You weren't supposed to laugh at that. <laughs> the reason everybody's not in shape is because 
They have all this energy in January. And five months later, they're locked into a year contract and they become dormant and they've lost momentum and they become apathetic. And that describes perfectly our Christian life. Get those zombies off there. Most people aren't grown up in Christ because they are doing the things, they aren't doing the things they used to do when they were growing. As a matter of fact, John talks about it in the book of the Revelation where he talks about one particular church and God says, nevertheless, I have this against you that you've left your first love. So what do we do about that? He said, remember therefore from where you've fallen, repent and do the first works. Like go back and do what you're supposed to be doing whenever you were growing in Christ. And the reason that we're not growing is Christ is we're not doing what we ought to do. We're not putting fresh energy in our walk with God. So will you evaluate where you were last year? I mean, just a moment, stop and look at last year and ask yourself, how much energy and effort and time and resources did you put into your walk with God? Could it be that we've become dormant? Could it be that we've become dead in the water? Could it be we've lost our momentum? And I know some of you are saying, well, preacher, I mean, I've been a Christian 25 years. Paul knew you were going to say that. That leads me to point number two, and that's this. Days don't equal depth. Look at what he says. He says, for by, for though by this time, at this point in your walk with God, at this point in your relationship with Christ, you, you ought to be teaching others. But you need someone to teach you again. Look, the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have need of milk, not solid food or or meat. And he said, look, this is a time that you ought to be, here's how he puts it. You're at a point in your life, you've been saved a good while. You ought to be teaching others how to walk with God. You ought to be mentoring others how to walk with God. You ought to be discipling others into a deeper relationship with Christ. But here's the problem, you're still eating baby food. And here's how he puts it. You should be eating a ribeye steak. Instead, spiritually speaking, you're eating Gerber mashed peas with the little spoon that's got the little white head on it and a little bit of it's trickling down your mouth and you're still spitting some of that out. Paul said, spiritually speaking, you ought to be developed and strong. You've been saved long enough. You should have grown in your Christian life, but here you are. You've been a Christian for a long time and we're having to go back And over and over and over again, teach you the simple principles of the word of God because we can't get past it. And can I say to you this morning that there are a lot of people filling our churches who have been saved 10, 15, 20, and 25 plus years. And you are no more spiritually mature than you are the year you got saved. Because days don't equal death. You say, preacher, I've been a Christian for 25 years. I've got 25 years of experience. No, most Christians have one year of experience. They've just repeated it 25 times. They've never gotten closer to the Lord. They've never grown with the Lord. And here's what you have to understand in the Christian life. Longevity doesn't equal maturity. Age doesn't make you a sage. Days do not equal death. If you want to grow up, you can't just sit around and watch it happen automatically. You have to, the only way you mature is through maturity. The only way you grow is to grow up. You know, you can go to church all you want, but you're just repeating the same thing over and over again. And there is no depth and there is no experience to your Christian life. 
You don't know any more about God than you did the year you got saved. I was pastor of my first church and I had an evangelist and his wife come in and the evangelist preached revival. And the first Sunday he preached, we took him out to eat. And, and my oldest daughter, Savannah, was about seven or eight. And, and my, Michaela over here was about four. And it came that Sherry and I, we were talking about traveling. They had just got back from a European trip where they had visited the beaches of Normandy and traveled Europe. And they began to talk about all the traveling that they were doing. And I'll be honest, we, we hadn't really been anywhere. But the wife looked at Savannah, my seven-year-old, and said, Savannah, honey, do y'all travel? And Savannah said, uh-huh, we go to Panama City every year. <laughs> well, technically she was correct. But that wasn't really the question. Because we didn't know anything about the world. We didn't know anything about the nation. Hey, we didn't know anything about Florida. Panama City is not really far Florida. It's lower Alabama. That, the, 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 that was not the question. Here's what we knew about traveling. We knew the route from North Georgia to Panama City, and that was it. Now, we had, we, we, we had been a bunch of times, but that's all we knew. And it was the same experience over and over and over. And that's the way people are in the Christian life. You have experience, it's just the same thing over and over and over and over. And listen, you have been saved a long time, and it's just the same year over and over and over. And there's no maturity to your Christian life, and there's no depth to your Christian life, and there's no, there's no energy in your walk with God. You say, preacher, how can you say that? Hold on. Look this way. Look this way. Nobody take an eye off me, because when you hear about say, you know I love you. I'm your pastor, and I'm about to say some hard things. And listen, I'm not mad, angry, I haven't seen anything, wasn't looking. I just haven't preached in two weeks, so I got a lot bottled up inside of me, so I just need everybody to be good, all right? But if I'm your pastor and I don't love you enough to tell you the truth, I'm not doing my job, and I have to stand before God to give an account of what I do. So everybody good today? Everybody, everybody wear their big boy, big girl pants, say amen. You good? Amen. You say, what makes you say I have no death? I'll tell you why. Because I need to preach a sermon, and the average pastor in America has got to preach a sermon on quit using profanity. What is wrong with Christian people who claim the name of God, who have a filthy mouth? There is a Bible verse that says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. You say, I want to go deeper with God. Hey, handle the shallow stuff first. We're still having to tell Christians you need to dress decently. Now, I don't want to preach a sermon on how you ought to dress. But if you wouldn't wear it at the judgment seat, you might not want to put it on in front of other people. I talk to pastors all across the nation. And we're being destroyed by Christians losing their witness on social media. I don't want to have to preach a sermon on Facebook. Like I, I like Facebook. Facebook's meant for the right thing. But you know why I think God gave us Facebook? He gave it so you could be a witness to a lost and dying world. Not for your latest grievance. If your post starts off, I know I shouldn't say this, then don't. And can I tell you something? There is not an opinion you have in this world that's more important to your witness to a lost person. 
Some of you need to go back and get on social media and start deleting things. And get a, get a witness. And those are the first things. You want to grow up in your walk with God. Hey, I'd love to, but we still got some shallow things we're having to deal with in church. Y'all good? Can you take it or I need to quit? You okay? If you encourage me, I'll keep going. But if you don't, I'm, I'm, we'll give an altar call now, right? I still got a, lot of, a little bit more to do. Listen, hold on. Hold on. Good number of Christians need to go home and clean out the refrigerator. You say, preacher, well, I don't think drinking's wrong. I don't think alcohol's wrong. Well, I got a Bible, I got Bible verses, chapters, and verse that would disagree with you, but I know it destroys your witness. I know it does. So I'd like to, we'd like to go deeper. And I got pastor after pastor after pastor telling me across America, I, I, I can't find leaders. Because if you choose alcohol over serving God, you have chosen wrong. You okay? <laughs> we want to go deeper. But we're still dealing with the first principles. And so Paul then said this. Number three, he said, practice makes progress. Habits make health. Man, this is, there is such beautiful language in what I'm about to show you. It, it, it just, it's mind-boggling what, what, what the writer of Hebrews writes right here. Look with me, if you will. Verse 14, he said, but, but solid food, meat, belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use. Now, I put in parentheses the word habit. It's the Greek word hexis, and it, it means a habit. It, by those who have, by habits, have their senses exercised. I put in parentheses the word gym, because you know what the word exercise is there in the Greek? It's the word gymnasio. It's where we get our word gymnasium from, or gym from. Well, let me go back before I make parents mad. <laughs> I'm getting there, mama. Hold on. And so, um, exercise. So here's it. Reason of use, habit, exercise. And what's happened? You've got the right habits. You've worked it out in the gym. Why? So that you know good and evil. Here's how you mature in the Christian life. You get a habit of going to the spiritual gym of your life. Here's what we call those in the Christian life. Not me. Here's what everybody calls them in the Christian life. We call those spiritual disciplines. Here's what that means. That means you have got to go to the gym of studying the word of God. What do you mean, preacher? You've got to get in a habit of studying the word of God. And when you dive into reading your Bible, when you dive into studying your word of God, it is going to be like a workout. It is going to be sweat. Why? Because, hey... This book ain't that easy. I'm not saying it's complicated. I'm just saying that like, here's what this book does to you. Here's why it's not easy. You, you read a verse and God goes, mm. and you're like, give me a minute, God. 
I got to make some changes and that one's going to hurt and let me stop. And God said, no, get back in there and, and, and you dive back in. And that's what going to the gym of the Christian life is. That's why it's got to be a habit because if it's not a habit in your life or a discipline as we would call it, if it's not a habit, you're not going to keep doing it. You're going to bail out. You're going to get away just like going to the physical gym. That's why you got to dive into the gym of the word of God. That's why you've got to dive into the gym of prayer. You've got to, it, it's word to pray. You say, why is it so hard to pray? Because all of hell will come against you when you bow your head to pray. They don't want you to pray. And so you got to make it a habit in your life to pray. You got to get up and pray whether you want to pray or not. You got to stay in prayer whether you want to pray or not. And listen, by the time you've read your Bible and by the time you spent time with God in prayer, there's probably going to be sweat breaking out on your brow a little bit. Why? It's work, it's exercise. You've, you've got to get into the gym of church attendance. Look, there's some of you here today. I'm glad you're here to get off New Year. Praise God, I'm glad you're here. Do you know across America, the average church goer goes 1.7 times per month? Listen, here at Peavine, we only have Sunday morning corporate worship. Now, we've got one Wednesday night, but typically we have Sunday morning corporate worship 52 times a year. We don't have Sunday night. Most churches don't nowadays. So that means you have 52 times to come. God's not called you to come once a month. God has called you to, uh, Hebrews 10, 25 tells us that whenever we gather, you ought to be here. You say, preacher, I got a lot going on in my life. So does everybody else. So man, I think people who come to church every now and then, they think, well, that nobody else has going on. Yeah, we, we all got it going on, but here's what we've done. We made a habit and we know. Bobby came up and showed me a minute ago, he's got coffee. Where you at, Bobby? Right here, he's got coffee all over his shirt. Somebody spilled coffee at him at the store this morning, all over his shirt. You know what he did? He came to church anyway. Why? Because that's what the devil's going to do to you. He's going to throw coffee on you in the mornings. Baby's going to throw up on you. Kids are going to pitch a fit. You're not going to be able to find a shoe. Right? Can I get amen, ladies? Bring them barefoot, man. Come on anyway. Because the enemy's going to do everything he can to keep you coming. And can I tell you this? Can, have you ever noticed when you miss one Sunday, boy, it sure is easy to miss two. And if you miss two, it's hard to go back on three. And can I tell you this? If you miss three, it's hard to come back. That's why you have to have it as a habit. That's why you got to fight the devil and you've got to fight the demons of hell in order to get into a habit and it's going to be exercise. Can I tell you this? You got to go to the gym of giving. It's one of the spiritual disciplines. We worship God through our giving. Our giving is an act of humility to an almighty God. My wife and I have been married over 30 years. We have tithed every step along the way and we have tithed when we did not have it. But let me tell you what we've, we've not done. We don't debate our tithe. You said, preacher, I don't have money tithe. We didn't either. We gave it anyway. I'd rather owe man than owe God. And we tithe. And we gave above and beyond our tithes. You say, well, that's easy for you to say, you're a preacher. Can I, can I tell you something? I just spent seven years not pastoring. I tithed all that time too. I tithed to another church. We gave offerings above and beyond. And I don't tell anybody this, probably the first time I've ever said this publicly, but we started to fund blessed preachers. We give money to pastors when we see pastors in need because we felt like God wanted us to give and above and beyond our tithe, and we want to give more. You say, well, how do you get there? You don't get there until you make tithing a habit. You give to God first, and it is going to hurt, and it's going to be like a workout. And most Christians never get there because they stop. Witnessing is the same way. God has lost people in life for you to win to Christ. It's not easy. 
Just invite them to church, tell them about Jesus. But it's got to be a habit. Serving is the same way. Listen, we call all of those spiritual disciplines. And the Bible says you've got to have the habit. And then it's going to be like going to the gym. And you, know, you can't be a one-and-done Christian. What's a one-and-done Christian? Here's a one-and-done Christian. Well, I, I gave last year. I put that $20 in the plate that time. You're not going to grow doing that. I, I, read, I read that chapter in the Bible that time. Remember, I prayed over my food at the restaurant back in February. Remember that? That's not growth. You have to put new energy into it to grow just like you do in every other life. So let me show you my Fortnite picture. Let me hold your attention for just a moment. My wife has warned me, mamas. Kids, you should not play Fortnite instead of going to school, sleeping, or doing homework, or being a human being, right? How many of y'all play Fortnite? Anybody? Oh, it's almost died. Oh, oh, good. good. How many adults play Fortnite? Thank you, John. That's right. Adults won't admit it. I, I play Fortnite occasionally. I won Friday night solo mode, by the way. So, uh, 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 blind luck, but it's my 11th win uh, Fortnite, so... Some of you are thinking, what, what in the world is Fortnite? If, if you don't have a teenager, you're not a gamer. Uh, 125 million people logged into Fortnite in May 2018. The highest active monthly u- users was August 2018. Almost 79 million people played Fortnite. The average Fortnite player plays about six hours a week. Last year, in June, May and June of 2018, uh, people were online in Fortnite for 2.7 billion hours. That's why it was one of the top searches. Um, don't, don't do this. Do not do what I'm about to say. 15% of students have admitted to skipping school to play Fortnite. 6% of workers have admitted skipping work a lot to play Fortnite. And I got to move on. I'm about done. Hang, hang with me. I know I'm a little late, but I haven't preached in two weeks. So y'all hang with me, all right? We don't have church tonight. This will let the Methodists clear out of the restaurant before you get there, right? So we might as well stay. Y'all going to be early, so we might as well stay a little late, all right? All right? Hang with me. Y'all with me? Say amen. Amen. All right? All right. Don't leave. The most famous Fortnite player is a guy named Ninja. I'm not recommending Ninja. Don't follow him. I'm not saying all that. I'm just telling you about him. He came out. I subscribed to ESPN the magazine. He was in ESPN the magazine the other day. Ninja is the number one Fortnite player in the world. He has more wins than any other player in the world. He was third and he moved up to number one. But he was the most famous one. He, uh, he uh, uh, live streams playing Fortnite on something called Twitch. Most people don't know what that is. doesn't matter. But hey, mama, uh, uh, Ninja makes $500,000 a month. From playing Fortnite. It's estimated he made $20 million last year from playing Fortnite in sponsorships. He, moved, he had to move into a gated community where all the Chicago Bears football players live. So when you tell your kids playing video games don't pay off, slow your roll just a little bit. Some people, <laughs> some people it does, but not your kid, but other kids, it does. You know why he's so good? The average, the average Fortnite player plays six hours a week. Ninja live streams between 16 and 20 hours a day. He averages over eight hours a day, but most of the time he's around 16 hours a day, sometimes as many as 20. Do you know why he's so good? Let me get this off here so I can get your mind on something else. Because... He pours more energy into it 
than anybody else. Now, can I tell you, that's the secret to the Christian life as well. Practice makes progress. Habits make health. If you don't have these spiritual disciplines in your life, and we call them habits, you're never going to grow. If you don't work it out, you say, read my Bible, pray and give, and come to church all the time. Man, that stuff's hard. I get it. It's not easy for anybody, preacher included. But if those don't become habits and habits that you exercise and work out like you were going to the gym, hey, can I tell you something? We're never going to move on to anything deeper in, in our lives. Never. Never. Those disciplines. You can't be a one and done Christian. It doesn't work anything else. Hey, if you're on a diet, and so many of us have New Year's resolutions to lose weight, you can't be like, I, I ate healthy Tuesday. Yeah, but you had a 12-pack of donuts yesterday. You don't lose weight by being a one and done. If you're wanting to get strong, you don't say, I, I lifted that dumbbell Friday. I just moved it across the room, but I picked it up. No, that's, that's one and done. If you want to get a better relationship with your husband and wife, you don't say, well, I told her I loved her when I married her. I haven't changed my mind. No. Certain things have to become Habits. And habits are not easy to form. It's like going to the gym. But when you form those habits, you say, preacher, I just don't agree with everything you say. Can I tell you this? Get, get, get spiritual discipline down as a habit, then let's talk. Because I find that most people that disagree with the preacher aren't reading their Bible every day, aren't on their knees every day, aren't in church every Sunday. You get the picture. You have to practice to make progress. You have to have habits to be healthy. Close your Bibles and I'm done. I know I've preached a little long. Please bear with me. Forgive me if you're a guest. I don't normally preach this long. But would you look at me just for a second? Every head just focus up this way. What are your spiritual disciplines like? What does your spiritual gym time look like? Have a hard time reading your Bible? Can I tell you something? So does everybody else. Because the devil's fighting all of us on that. Me, you, everybody. Well, keep at it. It's going to be a fight, but keep doing it. Having a hard time giving, I get it. So do all of us. Keep at it. Having a hard time being faithful to church, man, just, everybody else does too. I can't figure out if I want it to rain on Sundays or be sunny on Sundays. I don't know what I want. Because this is rain. Everybody stays home and says it's too, dirt, too nasty to go out. And if it's sunny, everybody finds something else to do. Just come to church. Make it a habit. Exercise. You won't grow if you don't. You don't grow because you've lost all momentum in your Christian life. I know you've been saved a long time maybe, but days don't equal depth. You have to practice to make progress. You have to have habits to be healthy. Would you stand with me? Our staff is coming. If you're here today and you would like to join our church. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week, helping you to apply God's word to your daily life. For more information about Peavine, be sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and at our website, www.peavine.org. Thanks for listening.